Hey there, this is Mike and you're listening to Feeling Twisty. I'm really glad you're here. I've mentioned my friend Frank before. He and I had similar upbringings, both of us experiencing similar awkwardness when we started exploring the imagination. Awkwardness in sharing what we're discovering with our family and friends. <laughs> he and I laugh as we reminisce about how different our lives are now. I thought of Frank as I read an email from someone this week who was experiencing something very similar to what we did. This person, and I promised not to identify them, lives in a predominantly Catholic place. They don't know what to do. They're discovering this power that they are, the power of awareness, their true nature. And they're wondering, how do they share this with their family? They're very, very religious, very conservative family. What do they do? It was awkward for me at first because I made it that way. It came down to, as it always did for me, to misidentification of self. So for that Mike, the state that Mike was in, those set of experiences, memories, and assumptions, I had a tough time at first. It wasn't difficult to believe that I could change my life by changing what I was imagining. I could talk to Kim about it, but going beyond that, oh, <laughs> that was frightening for me at first. And my awkwardness and hesitancy was reflected right back to me in conversations that I had with people. I shared with you a month or so ago about one of those conversations with my good friend as we ate lunch one day. After I thought I had explained it perfectly to him, he looked at me over his Reuben sandwich and said, so you just imagined being sick? <laughs> Most of the people I know or knew back then were like me, raised in church and thought as I did. We are separate people and there's, if there's a God, he's out there somewhere waiting to judge us one day. I was imagining all kinds of judgment of me for what I was discovering about who I am. Well, like Neville Goddard says, the world is infinite response. My world is always showing me the evidence of my imaginal action. Here's a lovely quote from Neville's lecture, The Law of Liberty. No man cometh unto me save I draw him, for my father and I are one. So he can't come unless my father draws him. He can't come unless I draw him, for I and my father are one. And so I am drawing every being into my world, good, bad, or indifferent. I may condemn him for it, but in condemning him, I'm condemning myself, because he is my very self bearing witness to my own creation, bearing witness. You are the cause of the behavior of everyone you're observing in this world. <laughs> what? No way. <laughs> Not them. Any judgment I might have received for my discovery or for sharing my discovery of a God that is not separate from me, but my own I amness, my own imagination, was coming from me. There was no judgment outside of judging myself because there is no other. I didn't really receive that much judgment or really any from my family, no odd treatment either. I was shown nothing but love. They might not agree with everything I say, but there's been nothing but love from them. They're only reflecting back to me what I'm sustaining in my imagination. 
I cannot experience that which is not already allowed within me. Anything I experience in what we call the real physical world has an imaginal cause. Frank told me he had spent so much time worrying about what everyone else thought that he finally, out of sheer exhaustion, just gave up on the whole trying to please them angle. <laughs> I can't repeat what he told me exactly, but let's just say he no longer had any of what rhymes with ducks to give. <laughs> he just stopped caring what anybody thought about him. And that's when things really opened up for him. He had his, uh, what we call mystical experiences, started coming in like a flood. And he says his life began to change radically in his relationships, his finances, health, and not just for himself. He fell in love with imagining for any and everyone he encountered. So to answer this person about what to do with their ultra-conservative family and culture, nothing, do nothing outwardly. Don't even bother with trying to convince them. They are only reflecting back your own misgivings. Imagine lovingly for them and keep on exploring. Hmm, do nothing. That doing nothing part has always been one of the most difficult things for me. I might imagine my wish fulfilled, and then I find myself trying to figure out ways to bring it about, having a bunch of little mental conversations with others, scripting what I'm going to tell them, trying to decide my best approach to convince them, trying to come up with another scheme to get what I want. As long as I'm trying to figure it out, figure out what to do to bring about my wish's fulfillment, I am not trusting the invisible self. I'm not living in the end. This is from Neville's lecture, Our Real Belief. Don't raise a finger to make it so. Don't do a thing. Simply believe in the reality of your imaginal act. If you go to the end, then you can't concern yourself with the means to that end. That would deny the end by any means that you would even entertain to aid the birth of it, because you went beyond pregnancy right into birth. And so you saw it and you heard it. Now leave it alone and let it work. May I tell you, it will work. And then you'll find God. The world is only response, infinite response. The whole vast world only echoes you might not believe what Neville said there, that the world is only an echo of what you are imagining. And that's fine. I always recommend just start paying attention to what you're imagining and see the perfect reflection in what you're experiencing. We usually take longer to notice that connection with ourselves, but we can easily see it in others. <laughs> you might know someone who's constantly complaining Every little thing bothers them, and they feel like letting the whole world know how this thing or that thing bothers them. They'll keep finding things about which to complain. Everything's going to bother them. <laughs> or you see a friend who's always posting how miserably lonely they are and how they just can't keep a good relationship. Well, it might be easier to see th that connection within them. Well, yeah, look at their attitude. So much easier to see the connection between the concept of self and circumstances when we're looking at others 
and then maybe give them advice. (laughs) But more difficult to admit that our circumstances were caused by anything we did in our imagination. It always comes down to misidentification of self. I may start to realize my true nature, but still believe there are some things I have to hold on to, certain things I have to overcome. That's only true as I view my world from a particular state. Everything about me, even the things I believe are unchangeable, come from a state, a state of consciousness. And I can drop any of it if I choose to. It's when I'm trying to figure out how to become this new me from the state I want to leave behind that it seems so difficult. It does seem difficult. It's impossible. This state, lacking whatever it is you want, this is your state you're in. That state cannot produce or fulfill the wish. (laughs) It can't fill the lack because that state doesn't have it. It's a movement from that state into the state where whatever it is you're lacking is no longer lacking. Here's a wonderful quote from Neville's lecture, Is Causation Imaginal? If I say I am a rich man or a poor man, let me now leave off for one moment imagining myself to be poor. And where do you suppose I, the poor man, will be? It would vanish and leave no trace behind if I dare to leave off imagining that I am limited. I am can't cease to be, but every claim that I make for myself will cease to be if I stop imagining it. I remember the first time I heard that statement and really got it. So much struggle and angst just melted away. I don't have to do a thing about the circumstances and the memories, except leave off imagining that any of them matter. By imagining that I am already what I want to be. That's freedom. Oh man. Every little thing in my memories that I call me or that I believe make me me continues to be so because I'm imagining it. Can I completely leave off everything I thought I had to define as me? Yes, because it's only here because of my state of consciousness. You know how you wake up from a dream and the whole world, the dream world that you were just in and its storyline vanish. The whole thing disappears completely when you wake up. It's the same with states. You are the dreamer and the only reason anything from what you call your memories are still a part of your story today is because you either want that part, which is perfectly wonderful, or you don't think you can escape it. Wherever I place my awareness, my attention, that's what I will be aware of, what I will be experiencing. You say you want to be this in life, but there's the whole family thing or your horrible track record with money or relationships. None of that matters. Those things that you're holding on to are just products of a state of consciousness. Drop every reasonable explanation of why you cannot be the person you want to be. Not by trying to deny or fight it 
or <laughs> rebuke it if you grew up in a church like mine, <laughs> but embracing the new state of consciousness. Fasten yourself to the new state. Money was the most difficult for me. Not because money is more difficult to imagine, but because I refused to trust the state, to completely trust imagination. I was constantly trying different things to imagine, frantically hopping from one imaginal scene to the next, thinking there must be a perfect one, a perfect little imaginal scene that will make this happen. <laughs> well, there was never any power in the scene itself. It's my faith in it, my loyalty. Neville says to pledge to ourselves to remain loyal to the imaginal act. Unquestioned loyalty to the state I have imagined. And if you find yourself caught up stressing about what you should be doing, what your next step should be to get you to that wish fulfilled, uh, stop it. <laughs> I'll read that quote from earlier. Don't raise a finger to make it so. Don't do a thing. Simply believe in the reality of your imaginal act. If you go to the end, then you can't concern yourself with the means to that end. That would deny the end by any means that you would even entertain to aid the birth of it because you went beyond pregnancy right into birth. And so you saw it, and you heard it, now leave it alone and let it work. May I tell you, it will work. And then you'll find God. The world is only response, infinite response. The whole vast world only echoes. Trusting in and believing that what I experienced in imagination is the reality was difficult for me at first. It's an automatic thing, you know, to start making a plan of action or, or a plan of attack, getting all of our little arguments and justifications together. <laughs> Here's a funny example from Frank. He told me that the neighbors, his neighbors in the apartment next door to them are all smokers. And for the past month or so, the smell of cigarette smoke has been getting stronger and stronger in their apartment. He says he talked to the landlord a couple of times, complaining, asking them to do something about it, but nothing ever changed. He says he imagined that it was no longer a problem, <laughs> but he admits that he just wouldn't let it go. It kept bugging him. He kept thinking about it, expecting it to continue to be a problem. And he had all these little arguments, all these little things, ways to get them to stop, things he could say to them to get them to stop, but he didn't, he didn't want to cause trouble. He didn't want to be that neighbor, he said. <laughs> well, one day, recently, he said he had enough, not with the neighbors, but with himself, for refusing to trust imagination. So he sat down in a chair in his apartment and imagined breathing in fresh, clean air and left it at that. No more mental arguments with his neighbors. That afternoon, when his daughter returned home from school, she walked into her room, then turned around and walked right out of the apartment. She came back a couple of moments later and told Frank, I told the neighbors to stop smoking in the apartment because it's making my room stink. <laughs> he said it was a couple of minutes later when he heard them leaving the apartment to go smoke outside. <laughs> now you might think, well, gee, Frank should have done something early on. He should have been a man and 
stood up to those guys. Look, I'm not going to judge Frank. He knows the whole problem was created by him, and he finally had enough and did what Neville said to do. Leave off imagining the problem. And I think it worked out in a funny way. His teenage daughter ended up being the one to take care of it. It all worked out the very day he gave up trying to figure it out and simply trusted his imaginal act. I love you. I'm feeling twisty.